Briscoe meets up with a ghost from his past. Weren't you killed in a gunfight? I was only gut shot. I'm stronger now with less appetite. And runs into an old flame. There's a fire. I know. No, in the barn. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. An all-new episode next Friday at 8, 7 Central. Here's the thing about the Briscoe County Junior Show. This yeah. is the one-year anniversary of our having released one of these, or, or near enough to it. The plan was always, since it was a Friday night show, that whenever there would be a week where I blew my deadline for having a podcast out on Wednesday, that I'd holler at Mac here, and we'd just like do a Briscoe County, and I'd drop that in on a Friday without any heavy work being put into it. And problem number one, I mentioned this in passing in a previous episode, is that when we talked about doing a Briscoe County podcast, we were the only ones who were talking about that. There wasn't one. And so that made it more special to go ahead and do one. And then the 30th anniversary was going to come up, and so I was like, okay, it was the time to do it. And then in preparing to finally do it, I found that the Evil Dead guys had already done the Briscoe County podcast as part of their Evil Dead coverage, and so that took away a lot of the incentive to get that done. For the longest time, we did all all our recordings live. It's not as weird anymore, but it's still a little weird for us to have to do all these recordings by the internet. It's kind of a bummer. It's fine, but it is a different energy than we would have when we're actually in a room together. But one of the things that is nice is that having listened to a few episodes of that Evil Dead show, it's clear that they're not into Briscoe County. They're not into that genre. It's not on their wavelength. And so listening to people who weren't there for it the first time gripe about it, it's kind of a bummer. And I, I realize that I have a reputation. One of my, my big things is I'm the guy who finds fault in everything. I don't like anything. And I, hopefully that's a interesting perspective on stuff that you would consider to be a sacred cow just to get a different, you know, because I'm not just doing it to troll people. I just legitimately wired differently. But I do think there's also a joy to be found in having people that just enjoy the same things you enjoy talking about that excitedly and, and having fun with it. And so I do think there's value in getting a Bresco County podcast out. It's just it gets pushed back whilst I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. But blew my Wednesday deadline. Friday's coming up. So we, we, it's about time we finally got back to the show. And it's, it's got a decent following too. We've, we, I just did social media for it and we get a lot of likes and retweets and stuff. And it's just, I, I just haven't been serving this audience by not buckling down and actually doing some episodes. So we're finally back for one we back how pokes and i was trying really hard to find ratings and i don't know if you know this given how much informa- information is at the tip of your fingers these days it's really hard to find ratings on old shows man everything's behind like the nielsen stuff it, you have to like have logins and stuff to get this information it's crazy that's bizarre like you know, i would never I, I would just think that was just readily available you still would be like on wikipedia or something right yeah, yeah. It's not that easy. And I, and I went through a bunch of different websites trying to navigate it. And even the ones that said they had ratings, you click on it and then it's a dead link or the whole site's gone. Very frustrating. But one of the sites I was looking at had an article from 2009, uh, from the, it was related to the Western Writers of America who offered a list of their 50 greatest television Western series of all time. And Briscoe County came in 35th, which is respectable. Nice. The ones that preceded it at number 30 was the Yellow Rose, which I barely remember existing. I don't, I can't tell you anything about it. 31's Tales of Wells Fargo from the 50s. I've never heard of that one. Same goes for the Lazarus Band from 96. And then the Gene Autry Show. And then finally, one I recognized, Alias Smith and Jones from the 70s at number 34. Now, the ones that beat, though, were much more familiar to me. Trackdown. Kung Fu, Lonesome Dove the Series, The Magnificent Seven TV Show from 1998, and Broken Arrow and F-Troop. I'm actually much more familiar with and impressed by the ones that Briscoe County beat than the ones that beat it. 
I, I'm just am not like I know I know Bonanza. I know Gunsmoke. Uh, number four, number one. Okay. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's my entire knowledge of because uh, the Rifleman wasn't a cowboy show, right? Well, yes, the Rifleman was a cowboy show with, with Chuck Connors. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah, number yeah. six. And I only remembered the Rifleman because it came on right after another show that I watched. And I can't remember what it was. It was like super late at night, and as soon as that show was over, it'd be the Rifleman, and then he does that opening where he's like, bah, 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 right. Yeah, I so always, I would space out and catch some of those episodes, but uh, parts parts of those episodes. They used to run branded after another show that I watched, and so I've always been more familiar with the opening to that, which was another Chuck Connors western. But one man died There at Bitter Creek And they say he ran away Branded, scorned as the one who ran What do you do when you're branded And you know you're a man Wherever you go for the rest of your life was a big thing in like the 60s and early 70s and so once you get into the 80s and 90s he's one of those guys who kept turning up in stuff kind of like a jack palance type where he was always having to do material that was beneath him you knew he had been a big star and then he was doing werewolf for fox in the 80s and so because of that familiarity with the him slumming it made me more uh, aware of him in back pain in his heyday, even though I didn't really watch that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, plus I remember that they referenced branded on an episode of Married with Children, so that didn't hurt either. What do you do when you're branded and you know you're a man? Nope, don't remember. Yeah. He was like a cavalryman who um, I think he was framed or he just had a failure, and so the opening was always like them breaking his sword in half and ripping his pouches off and sending him away from the fort, and he's trying to like re- recover his uh, honor after this defeat feet uh from his military career so that's what that was about cool i don't know what uh black and white or color color because it was after the oh, rifleman okay. the rifleman if i remember correctly transitioned from black and white to color yes that is correct of that and this do we are literally tapping out my exhaustive knowledge of <laughs> rifleman trivia it, some episodes that came on after whatever show i watched were black and white and some episodes that came on after that show i watched were in color <laughs> that's it well and you're not a big western guy either were there any western series besides the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. that you ever watched, or was that like the exclusive Western content on your television screen? No, no, but I will say just before Briscoe, and I mean, it may, maybe it was uh, at the same time as Briscoe, there were a lot of good Western movies that came out. You had oh, your sure. Young Guns movies, you had Tombstone. Um, so I, I like the sort of that new age uh, Brat Pack version of uh, <laughs> of Westerns. Um, but yeah, like the old Western spaghetti Western TV shows and stuff. Now I never watch any of that stuff. Yeah. Not that I can remember. I mean, maybe I I feel like I'm I'm spacing out on. Didn't you watch I might Deadwood? Have no, I, I we watched I, I watched like maybe an episode of Deadwood, mm. and it was like really really dark, and I was just not where I wanted to be at the time, so mm. we never picked it back up. Yeah, I, I've I've wanted to rewatch the series because they came out with that movie a year or two back, and you know it's three 
three seasons and it's just that's a lot to take on i'm not a big binge watching guy but hopefully in the next couple of years i'll get around to finally doing that because it is a really yeah, great could, show i gotta put that one back on the list because i i've never heard a bad thing about it so it definitely is dark but it also is it, it, the just the the artful use of profanity on that show is is a thing to, to behold you know it, it puts quentin the shame how much profanity they have in that show and how well it's used um and but it, but it's and it's got its funny moments too but it's definitely a, a dark show it's it's a very i wouldn't say it's depressing it's you know it there there are fun elements but the environment itself is pretty depressing because i mean these are dirt poor people on the frontier doing just the worst stuff to get by and so it's hard not to go to some dark places with that question little house on the prairie western or not yes definitely a western my grandmother used to watch that she had a i think she had a thing for michael landon and so i watched a fair few episodes of little house on the prairie too now it's yeah, not I've, I've, a gunfighter show it's a frontiers show yeah. that occasionally featured guns but it really was a family drama and a town drama that happened to be set in the old west that's why i wasn't sure if it uh hit the criteria well it was semi-autobiographical so you don't have a lot of gunfights it's more like you know what's nelly olsen getting up to this time that sort of show stuff nice save <laughs> all right so we're gonna talk about this episode we probably we should are ready so to go there yet or do you want is, imdb this... any more info on <laughs> this is briscoe and Halisco. it originally aired on september the 17th 1993 uh, we are continuing our policy of discussing the episodes as they were released since we both watched the show and it's coming out new not necessarily the chronology of the show uh this was actually the fifth episode filmed but it was the fourth episode aired it's directed by james a cottner it was written by series creators jeffrey bohm and carlton Coos. So this episode opens up with a phenomenal poker scene. So Socrates comes down into one of the, the saloons and Briscoe is playing cards against a guy. And, you know, Socrates runs over. He's like, hey, Briscoe, we got to get out of here. And he's like, one second. And it basically turns into this cheat off where Briscoe is like rubbing his sleeve. Or no, they first they show the guy deal from the bottom of the deck to himself instead of the top of the deck. And then Briscoe takes his cards and he rubs it on a sleeve to get another card. And then that dude you know like reaches on the table and he hits one of those like uh automatic card servers to, to give himself another king and then briscoe's like scratching his neck and the waitress walks over and she's got one in her girder and then he pets like a dog and there's one hidden under the dog's collar and they're just going back and forth just like their entire hand is completely false right uh and they're both shoving all their chips in uh and then finally you know the the dealer at the table had what was it five kings or whatever or mm-hmm. some ridiculous you know you can't even have five kings he had like five kings and then uh briscoe had five aces you know two of which were diamonds like it just complete so all, these dudes immediately pull all their guns and put them in briscoe's face and the guy's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. he cheated me fair and square or something like that <laughs> they give him all the chips it was hull and they cut credit um for the intro and it was just hull like i was dying during the scene it was so good it, it just kept going it wasn't just that he, he you know when he starts petting the dog oh hey there rover whatever his name is and he pulls another ace out of the dogs it's just it was so absurd it was, i was cracking up it was great well and he and the uh the guy who was playing against he had one of those rube goldberg type devices where it was like an accordion they would shoot from out of his sleeve and give him additional cards and stuff it, <laughs> yeah, it just yeah. it's one of those things where it may not have been funny the first few but once you get up and tell it to double digit numbers of, of scams it becomes funny over the, the progression of it just by the excess of it and it's fun too because i still tend to think of briscoe county as being a square you know because he's just such a uh up upright kind of guy an educated guy a straight shooter and so it's nice to be reminded sometimes that he does have his lowly qualities and certainly cheating at cards is clearly one of them 
Yeah, like I said, I I loved it. It was great. It was almost like a Naked Gun bit or something like that. You know, it was it was just, it, like again, it just got more and more comical as it went along. It was just it was great. And then again, the line "He cheated me fair and square" was fantastic. <laughs> so anyway, from there we we do opening credits, uh, and it's Briscoe and Socrates back at the robber barons, and they're basically telling them, "Hey, you know, we had a train full of guns that was." Texas border. We, we think there could be some disruptions going on between factions down there, and we need you to go down there and check it out. And he's like, hey, hey, you hired me to, to look for the Bly gang. I'm not looking for uh, for missing weapons. I'm like, well, they hijacked the train by painting a mural of a tunnel on a big piece of rock, which is exactly how they sprung the Bly gang to begin with, which was when Briscoe's father was killed. That was the uh, the prison transport train. So that's where Briscoe's like, oh, okay, then yeah, I'm going down there. I don't really care about your weapons but I'll head down there and like well that's why Socrates is going with you so they send the two of them to, and of course Socrates is like what am I going he's saying what's he coming I gotta babysit this guy the whole time so um, they head down on horseback and there's oh, a little uh, bit well, where they get, you get hold on before yeah. you get too far from it too hold on go for it uh, I just want to mention that the robber barons are both western veterans uh, one of them is Paul Brinegar from Rawhide and the other is Robert Fuller from the Return of the Seven speaking of the Magnificent Seven I was going to say that's uh, carries on the theme right because I think in the was it in the pilot or whatever? Or the, oh, yeah. the robber barons were both former. Uh, they, they they're showing respect to their elders and this mm-hmm. uh, and to their to their roots, uh, which I respect. So from there, they head down to Mexico and they're you know they're they're on horseback and they get stopped by some some bad hombres, I guess you could say. Uh, and basically, you know, they're telling them I don't were they going to rob them or ask them what they were doing there? And uh, well, they're pretending Brisco- to be customs at first, but over time you realize that they're Frito banditos. Right, right, right. So Briscoe's like, oh well, you know what I do have this and he pulls out a stick of dynamite and lights it and he was all like oh here why don't you take it and he throws it at them and it's just sitting there burning and burning and burning until these dudes are like okay this guy's not bluffing and they turn around and run off he hops back on the horse with socrates and so they ride off on horseback and he's like well hey what about the dot boom and the whole thing lights up and go like it wasn't a fake stick of dynamite that was 100 real uh so from there they get to the the general what was the general's name i i, I can find that out but i was going to mention that you know I'm, I'm watching the banditos with my mexican girl friend i'm like oh boy are we gonna have some embarrassing conversations after this uh because those guys did not equip themselves well but thankfully they didn't continue with that for too long most everybody else you know equips themselves reasonably well including general zaka who's played by miguel perez yeah and i think i'm not sure if all those dudes were actually hispanic but yeah i think uh, there's some brown but, face at play there indeed. yeah it's this, the mustaches especially were, were a little <laughs> much but the general was definitely hispanic so mm-hmm. that, that was like okay good briscoe says he knows the general so he'll find out what's going on with these weapons um they sit down they start having drinks and he and they, he was like uh socrates is like what is this drink it's phenomenal and he was like oh well it's lime um was it squeezed on the the legs of virgins and uh into you know the finest gold tequila and then he yells over to one of the witches he's like hey margarita why don't you bring these guys your more of your special drink and it's like wah, wah, you know what i mean <laughs> oh Jeez. yeah look the margarita. if you can't get into that sort of dad humor you're this is the wrong podcast and the wrong television show for you sorry absolutely absolutely it's to- this is totally on brand humor um 
So uh, from there, you know, they they start to talk about the, the weapons and stuff. And he's like, you know what? The general's like, Look, we don't talk about that now. It's late. Now it's time for the entertainment. And who's the entertainment? None other than Dixie Cousins from uh, – what was the last time she was in an episode? Episode two maybe? Mm, yes, yes. She was in episode two. That's right. So yeah, Dixie comes out and does a wonderfully overdubbed – it was a very strange dubbed performance because she was obviously not singing and they dubbed that in because it was very soundstage her voice. Mm-hmm. But they let they kept the crowd's voice in it. Like it was really I, all I could picture during the scene because she's like hanging off of Socrates and she's hanging off of Briscoe. Were they just in complete silence and they just told these guys to react? Like I, all I could think of is how weird this must have been to not. <laughs> or were they playing a recording so that she was lip syncing to it? I would it was, hope they'd at least have the recording going like it was a music yeah, video. I hope, something hope they did. Anyway, so she puts on her performance, which was very fantastic. She is a. Uh, a very attractive young lady, um, and she was quite scantily clad in that scene, so that was very nice. Uh, it was funny though, because was it just me or was her? She's obviously got an accent that she does for the character, and sometimes it was Mae West, and sometimes it was John Wayne. So I feel like maybe she's still kind of getting a feel for her character. Okay, so you want to hear my note here? Sure. Here's my note. It says Dixie is doing a serious John Wayne impression, or did she have a stroke? <laughs> oh shoot! Was it John Wayne, or did she have a slight palsy? Like I can't tell <laughs> the way she was drawing out right. some of the words. Somebody gave her a note, and she wisely ignored that going forward. But she took it to this particular episode, and it showed that she should have tossed that thing in the waistbin immediately. Bro, I was like, you didn't talk like this in the other episode. I would have totally remembered her doing a just awful John Wayne impression. <laughs> uh, and it came in like like. It came and went in this episode. She mm. laid it on pretty thick in that first scene after the after she was singing with him. But um, but every now and then it popped up. But I was just like, what is going is on? Is this some sort of a voice, code? Dude? Are you trying to give me a message that you know through this accent? I don't understand what's what's happening here. <laughs> it was hilarious. Are you but held so she, captive by the general? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, so basically, she warns them that yeah, she thinks the general's up to something. Uh, so they sneak out. The Socrates and Briscoe they sneak out of their room at night to kind of snoop around and see what the general's up to and. And there they see uh, it's Pete, right? Pete Hutter. Pete Hutter. Yep. Pete Hutter, uh, who was from the the pilot, right? Or no, didn't he get shot in like? Uh, no, he he was shot in in the pilot, as I recall. The pilot he gets shot. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's there, and he's the one who stole. I mean, he was the one who painted on the. Or he got the painter to paint the rock, right? Because mm-hmm. he was the one that sprung them out of the train and the pilot, right? He he's a uh, rock painting patron, right? Uh, so uh, he's the one with the weapons. He's trying to sell them to the general, and that deal kind of starts to go bad. And the general's men come over, and they're like, "General, the the gringos are locked in their room." And and he's like, "So he's like, why don't you go put them to bed?" Like wink, wink, as in get rid of them. And of course, Socrates and Briscoe are watching. This happen and they kind of look back over at their room. Those dudes walk in and just waste. They're just like firing into the room, uh, obviously not realizing that they're not there. But uh, uh, let me see from there. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you a short break here. So yeah, as you mentioned, Pete Hutter was shot in the pilot, and so the safe assumption would have been that he'd been killed. Then I was during a gunfight, but my understanding is they just liked his performance of the character so much that they wanted to bring him back. So as mentioned, this was the fifth episode film, so you got a nice little gap in there for him to heal. Up, uh, Briscoe County does make mention of didn't you? Didn't I shoot you? And he was basically saying that uh, it, I was only gut shot. I come back stronger and 
less appetite. And there's a cute bit where Briscoe's like, you'd probably be a good model for weight loss. And he's like, why would anybody want to wait, lose weight? And it's a pretty fair uh, assertion there because until, you know, we had the, the wealth of sugary foods and stuff that we had in the 20th century going forward, people, you know, didn't tend to get fat. And if you got fat, it was a sign of affluence and it was actually pretty desirable. So what until really in the last hundred years or so that it was a bad thing to at least look a little chubby. Hundred years, maybe like twenty, or maybe like forty years. I mean, I think it's a little more recent than uh, the the American obesity problem <laughs> has uh, really exploded over the last thirty, forty years or so. But mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah, I thought that was a, that was an, he's like, well, I don't want to lose weight, and I was like, that was the first thing I thought of too. I was like, yeah, because back then <laughs> this was not an issue. Uh, you're riding on a horse in hundred degree weather with no air conditioning. Nobody had issue uh, and like starving for days on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there, there was nobody nobody having issues of weight back then. And again, if you were, it's because you were the you know you were a robber baron or something like that. So Dixie shows up to help get our guys out of the back of the the casa. Um, this is after Pete Hutter started calling for the general's men to come and kill Briscoe since he's supposed to be there and Briscoe isn't. And so they make their way to a group of revolutionaries who are basically just farmers, but they're just trying to do what they can to fight against the the general's oppression with what they have available to them. And Dixie's sympathetic to them. I, I believe that she was with the general acting as a double agent to feed them information. Say that one more time. I, I believe think she was. I sorry, think, yeah, they, I think Dixie was, because why else would she be with the general unless she was trying to get information on his movements and stuff to feed to the revolutionaries? Okay, yes. Okay, I agree. Sorry, I, I heard that backwards. Like you were saying that she was the plant from the general. Mm. And I'm sorry, that it just went into my head wrong. Yes, I think you, that is correct. She was basically going over there to, to infiltrate. Uh, but she obviously had more ties to Emilio Pena, the, the leader of the, the resistance there. Now, that was a note you got down. <laughs> uh, yeah. Played by uh, Michael DeLorenzo. Um, he's probably best known for playing Alex Torres in the later seasons of Head of the Class. I wasn't watching the show by that point. He did do 61 episodes of Fame, but not only did I not watch that show, but he apparently didn't get any credits of anybody that was worth mentioning. But he was in several iconic videos of the 80s, including Beat It. He was one of the zombies in Thriller, and he was featured in Lionel Richie's uh, Running with the Night. The other thing that he's well known for is he played uh, PFC William T. Santiago, the victim in A Few Good Men. Uh, he was also in a lot so uh, apparently he was either eaten or had to eat some people I haven't seen alive in a long time I don't remember the specifics his longest gig was uh, one of the star performers on New York Undercover which I think ran on Fox and he was also on some show called Resurrection Boulevard I never watched either one of them so I can't speak to those he looked familiar yeah. I have not he seen he definitely had one of those faces did you, did, did you not watch Head of the Class? oh maybe maybe yeah. I watched Head of the Class that's possible. Um, you've seen a few good men, though. Like, huh? You've seen yeah, a few yeah. good men, though. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Well, as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that's it. That might that was probably where it was. Uh, anyway, so from there, uh, he's basically explaining, you know, that the reason the general has beef with all of them is because they're all of these poor people. They have to steal his crops so they can eat, and they have to do this, steal from him to do this, and still, we're like, they're just trying to survive. And basically, the general's taking it as like a slight, right? So he's trying to well, snuff these people. They make a big deal about how you have to constantly compliment him, and he has a very fragile ego and violent you know emotionality and stuff so they let you know that he's very temperamental and that's uh, reflected in how he treats the peasants yeah and, and they actually alluded to that not alluded to it i mean briscoe told socrates to like watch the way you talk about him and, and the way and that's why socrates leads off before he goes you're a very handsome man and it was like what like of course <laughs> socrates goes way overboard um wrong route for a a, yeah. a, a dandy looking fellow with eyeglasses and everything right uh so at that point there's like a barn fire I, 
I don't – I guess I missed – What had happened was after they met with the revolutionaries, they had to have a place to sleep for the night. And so they put them into the, the barn. Uh, Socrates had to uh, have a coin toss for the uh, be, uh, one of the stacks of hay against the comet, the horse. And then Briscoe's lying on another stack. Dixie comes in to try to seduce him. But before things can get too hot between them, it gets hot in the barn because somebody sets it on fire. Yep. So then uh, that leads to a conversation with – Emilio Pena. Basically, he's just like, you know, it's just the weirdest thing. The general's just always one step ahead of us. We do this. It's like he knows we were going to do it. We're going to do that. It's like he knows we were going to, he knows we're going to do it. So one of his guys, uh, Weddle goes, well, I think we got a traitor. And he was like, no, I don't think we got a traitor, whatever. Like, All right, fine. Pena has a line that just, he just says, justice is a word. Cause they were like, can we not have justice? And he says, I'm beginning to think justice is a word, is a word only for the rich. Uh, which I thought was a, that was a nice, uh, nice little line there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so Briscoe says, I think I got an idea. So he goes to Pete and he's like, Hey, let's team up. Why don't, and Pete's like, what do you want me? You know, he goes like, look, if I wanted to kill you, I could have killed you, you know, five minutes ago, but let's make some money. Let's, uh, he goes, you know what I was thinking about? Those robber barons are no worse than the Bly gang, whatever. Um, so why am I doing all this dirty work for them? Why don't we go sell the weapons to the general and we'll split the money? Um, so basically, uh, Briscoe takes the whip. I don't know. Somehow he convinces Pete this is a good well, idea. What it is, is he has more familiarity with the general and you tell him, look, the general's going to backstab you. I, I know this guy. That's all he ever does. You're going to end up not getting paid and dead. And um, dead. and if you yeah. try to, you know, I think they were talking about him go- taking the money to another, uh, general further south and there are complications and he's just like, look, let's, I'll negotiate this for you. I'll get the money for you. Right. So he, he goes there and he, and he basically says, tells the general, look, you don't kill me. I got your weapons. We want to do the deal now. Um, and he was like, and he was like, don't you try and double cross me? He was like, look, the weapons are in X Canyon. You pay me half now. And then when you come back with the weapons, you pay me the other half. And he was like, sounds like it's a deal. Uh, and then gave the whole, like, if you double cross me, Briscoe. So he rides off. And before he gets too far, this is where you find out that it was, it was Guero, Guettel, as they call him. Uh, he was the turncoat the whole time. So he was going to inform, uh, the general that it was actually in what Santa Ana Canyon instead of whichever Canyon. Right. Maybe uh, one thing worth noting is that the general was of course going to double cross Briscoe too, and had held him in office at gunpoint. So Dixie had to save him. They go back to the rebel camp and that's when, uh, Aguero shows up. Aguero is played by Marco Rodriguez. Like most of the actors, particularly the Latin actors in this episode, they've all been working steadily ever since. And, and him, him in particular, he's been working steadily since 1980. He doesn't have done a lot that's really notable. You know, he's just been a lot of stuff, but he may be recognizable to some folks as Torres in the, the Crow movie. Oh, yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, good for him. Uh, so basically, he's informed the general what the correct canyon was that they're going to be at. So they're at the canyon with the rebels and with Pete and uh, the head of the rebels actually. OK, so the general starts storming that canyon. And that's when uh, Pena basically offered. He's like, Pete, I'll buy the guns right now. Like, we're all going to be dead. Sell us the weapons right now so we can use them. And he's like, I ain't selling you no weapons. Well, the, the thing is, he's going to offer him the half that Briscoe had scored. Right. He's like, I'm not taking half. And then, of course, he's going to end up with nothing because here comes the general, you know, raiding uh, and a big old standoff occurs. Yeah. So they have a brief shootout and then Briscoe basically convinces them. And, and they do that a lot in the series where a little trick Briscoe uses at the beginning of the episode is kind of the trick he uses at the end of the episode. So uh, he convinces them to all leave. He grabs a couple sticks of dynamite, uh, lights them up, and he's going to ride straight for those weapons and just blow the whole wagon full of weapons up. 
the general sees this and he tells uh Gwettel, he's like go stop briscoe and he goes and you know we'll cover you or whatever and he's all like what and he's like go stop him and he's like okay so he heads out towards briscoe and they're basically having this race gets to the wagon throws the dynamite in just as Gwettel jumps into the wagon to try and throw the dynamite out and the whole wagon goes up in an explosion assumingly blowing him to pieces correct i i can't imagine he could have gotten out of that and i don't think we're going to see the continuing adventures of Aguero unless he's also no, going to have become a, a weight watcher or something correct yeah yeah he'll come back oh it was just a what just a flesh wound um so let me see uh i don't know that's kind of where the, the episode ends you know mm-hmm. he he uh has another little fling or a little parting goodbye with with dixie cousins uh then both obviously very uh attracted to one another and you know she's like twirling her hair as he rides off he and uh, socrates ride off it, it's funny will... that they're having these teases because it's like they did have sex in the pilot we we there was unambiguous so it's like it's too bad that they i mean i i, I guess the problem is that they don't have any opportunities because of the adventure to partake of one another and so that's where the sexual tension is coming from yeah yeah because she even had the line that one time where she was like I, i've got a vision problem and he's like well, what is it she's like anytime i see you my eyes go blurry or something like that like, i lose they, focus they were, they were getting, my eyes yeah, lose, lose focus fo- yeah yeah so they got close a few times in this uh episode but every time they were interrupted so, we, so yeah that that was the that was the episode yeah so we've got pete hutter back um it, it, he is one of the continuing bad guys in the show he's in seven total episodes this is his second appearance uh he's going to have uh you know he's going to show up again pretty quick on socrates sister which was um the i believe the second or third episode filmed but it still hasn't been released yet so that we that's gonna be the next one we cover in fact and um also um uh, kelly rutherford does seven episodes but they're not the same seven so they're only going to appear together one more time over the course of the series uh, in an episode called uh, and baby makes three so it, it's interesting that they both have the same number of episodes but they're not going to be the same ones and there's a sense of a lot of these recurring characters being in a lot of episodes which is true but they're not necessarily in the same episode like this episode we have no lord bowler as a for instance we have no john Bly. So although they're in a lot of the shows, they're not always going to be there. Um, now, as Pete Hutter, he also appears in the Stagecoach episode and in the two-part series finale, Hide Treason. Uh, besides this, he could be seen in the movie Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which I saw theatrically. Did you ever see that one? No. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, Randy, for um, uh, you know an otherwise fairly staid ghost story, um, he was in Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn, which I also saw theatrically. I, I can't really explain that. I, I guess we were just all <laughs> swept up in that, you know, Riggs charm of the day. Um, she also, I mean, sorry, he also appeared in some episodes of 21 Jump Street, but they're on the latter end when I wasn't watching anymore. He did MacGyver. He did the Dirk Gregor Star Trek Next Generation. He did the episode called A Fistful of Datas. So I assume he must have been a cowboy in that too. Um, as he's done a ton of work, but he's probably best known outside of Briscoe County. He was in the full series, two seasons of The Last Ship, which I believe was on TNT, uh, playing Tex Nolan. Uh, he was also in a long run of episodes on Suits playing Jack Soloff and he played again a little bit of a crow continuity here he played top dollar in the tv show the crow stairway to heaven how about that two crow actors in one episode of briscoe county jr i guess we can talk about the quality of the episode i, I thought it was fine it was cute but definitely another one of those uh, episode of the week kind of deals yeah i think so this wasn't really universe building um there was no orb in this episode uh outside of pete there's you know Bly's not in it uh in fact they make a he even says where's Bly?" and he's like this is just 
me, dude. Like I'm, I'm the one out here running these guns. He's got nothing to do with it. Uh, which I, I like. I like that it, he's not going to be in every episode, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't, we don't need that. Especially bi- kind of not. We're obviously not binging it because we have this huge gap between episodes. <laughs> but the fact that we could technically sit down and watch this in two or three days, if he, if Bly was in every single episode, you'd be like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Here we go again. So I like that they resisted having him and having the orb in every single episode. Uh, so yeah, I think that was. It was nice. But yeah, this was sort of a, a normal, not a filler episode, but this would just be a regular self-contained episode of Briscoe County Jr. It is funny, though. They travel all the way down to Mexico based on the method of operation of a guy that they assumed was dead. Because, I mean, by all rights, we should everybody assumed that Pete Hutter was going to come back again. So it's like they maybe you should have just checked to make sure you did the job the first time and you wouldn't have to be tracking him down a second time. Yeah, and you could have taken care of him in, uh, in this episode, too, and didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I liked... Well, but well, it, you do have this sort of like more of an antagonistic presence more than an outright villainy, even though, you know, he probably was one of the guys who gunned down his dad. But I, I do like the way they interact with each other because Briscoe really shows his intellect when he's talking to Pete. Pete, because of that drawl, you tend to think, you know, you tend to underestimate him. But there he brings up stuff that's like really left field where it's like, I don't even know what that is. That the, You can tell that he's got more book learning than he, he lets on. And it's fun because it makes Briscoe tend to talk a little bit smoother, a little bit smarter. He's trying to outsmart Hutter because Hutter does, despite, you know, coming off as as, as uh, less than, he, uh, he's, he knows uh, not to trust Briscoe. He does have his own little plans. He has his own little strategies. You do have to kind of outthink Pete. Uh, and that brings out some of the best in Briscoe because you watch the scene where he's selling Pete on the idea of selling the guns to the, or helping him acting as an intermediary to sell the guns. And he has to be convincing and, and he has to play it completely straight. He can't be patronizing. He can't be, you know, smirking or anything like that. Um, and so you, you see, uh, Bruce Campbell playing a role about as straight as you ever get to see him in anything. And he does a quite a good job with that. So it, it was nice to see. I think that it, what, part of the reason why it's fun to have Pete come all around is be, not only is he a fun character in and of himself, but he brings out fun things and, and interesting things in the other actors. Yeah, good. I mean, you could argue Pete. Uh, I mean, Briscoe's dad didn't even catch Pete. Mm-hmm. Pete was Pete was loose to spring the rest of the Bly gang. Uh, so and, and then he survived the gunshot from Briscoe. So Pete's a pretty impressive dude. <laughs> when you look at the, the resume, even from the two episodes he's appeared in, uh, you know, Bly got caught by Briscoe's dad. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pete's the one who had to bail him out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, and I think this was good, too. He, 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 they do, they don't make him some bumbling idiot. He's definitely got the, the like you said, the drawl, and he's got that, uh, I don't know, <laughs> the way he talks is like, this guy's a dum-dum. But look, the dude's, he got them, he's got the, I guess it wouldn't be streets, he's got saloon smarts, or whatever you, <laughs> they would call it back then, because everybody was from the, the screen. Sawdust skills. Or what, exactly. what is it? So, He's a tumbleweed yeah, thinker. Pete's a pretty formidable uh, uh, counterpart in the series. He's not just some dum-dum, well, which and also, uh, I think is nice. It'd be easy for him to get lost amidst all the other cowboys, but he does have like the distinctive look about him, and I particularly like that he's got the, the hand strap. You know, he's got that little strap yeah. around his finger, and it, it makes him stand out apart from other people. That one little thing makes a big difference in terms of costuming, letting you know that he's not just another one of the cowboys. Yeah, a really good attention to detail, making him stand out, especially for a character that I guess they obviously from Jump didn't think was going to appear again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it was good. 
I, I it was it was a fun little episode, but again, no, nothing nothing really pulling you into the next episode. There's this was very much a self-contained little uh, issue. It was a nice episode. little done in one, yeah. Yep. Um, so besides the fact that we were talking a lot about Bruce Campbell during our uh, Darkman coverage on Rolled Spine, uh, also uh, the Fire and Water Podcast Network has recently done their Zorro Month, celebrating the 101st anniversary of Zorro, which is the sort of timetable we would tend to work on. But they've been doing a whole month of it, and it's been cool. I haven't listened to everything yet, but I've listened to a, a fair amount. And since Max Romero is one of our listeners and, and retweeters and the likes, I wanted to make sure to give that a shout out. And I'll probably throw a, a, a promo on here as well. I will say, though, that they put out in a tweet a head-to-head of who had the better horse, the Lone Ranger or Zorro. And uh, so my question to you, Mac, is can you name Zorro's horse? Because I sure couldn't without a prompt. Ooh, what was Zorro's horse? Mm, I can I cannot. It was apparently Thunder. Thunder. Okay, I guess that kind of. So for me, the Lone Ranger automatically wins just by the fact that I not only do I know the name, but it's incorporated into the the uh, themes of the character and the literally, literally the musical theme of the character. Now, my yep. question to you: Who's got the better horse, Briscoe County or the Lone Ranger? Oh, it's Briscoe County. The high ho silver can't flip a coin. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Comet I mean, is awesome. A, I love Comet. So I, I would agree with you. I think the Comet is the best of the horses. That was a, that was another good scene in this uh, episode that I forgot to mention was that when they get into this. So obviously Socrates is like, oh, I got to go to Mexico and da, 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 And they get into this dude's compound and he's like linen sheets. And he's like, he's like a little kid. And he runs and, he, and of course, he's been drinking margaritas and he dives on the bed and he's like springs in the mattress and all this stuff. And then there's a knock at the door and he's all like, if that's Comet. Tell him I already got dibs on this bed, <laughs> so, which leads to the bit later on where they flip the coin for the for the stall or whatever. But it was so great. There's a knock at the door and Socrates immediately assumes it's the horse like only the show, dude. And it was just like, that's Comet. And I'm like, yeah, it probably is Comet. You know, but it's just like that was the horse we were talking about. <laughs> Could have used a little more Comet in this episode. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to make that complaint for every episode. I need more Comet. <laughs> The adventures of Briscoe County Jr. will continue after these messages. August is Zorro Month here at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. To celebrate the 101st anniversary of Zorro, we here at Fire and Water are producing several episodes celebrating the Fox and his appearances in various media. First up is The Mirror Factory. We focus on where the legend began, the seminal novel by Johnson McCulley, originally entitled The Curse of Capistrano. Then, over on FW Presents, we'll look at El Zorro's long and storied publication history in the realm of comic books. Then on Film and Water, we'll discuss the classic 1940 film The Mark of Zorro with Tyrone Power. Then on Digest Cast, we'll get small to discuss the Zorro comic digest from Paper Cuts. And finally, back on FW Presents, we'll examine the classic 1950s Disney Zorro television series starring Guy Williams. You can find all of these shows at fireandwaterpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So carve out some time to celebrate Zorro Month with us this August on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Wait, that's all we're doing? Why did you make me watch Zorro the Gay Blade? 
The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., starring the legendary chin of none other than Bruce Campbell, is a short-lived series that aired on Fox between 1993 and 1994. Why cover such an obscure series and one that was canceled by the end of its first season? It stars Bruce Campbell! On top of that, it offers an intriguing counterbalance to today's darker, grittier entertainment. One that hails from a time where heroes were noble, villains were dastardly, and femme fatales were... not as fatale. A throwback to western serials of yore with a dash of science fiction, Briscoe County arguably represents an end of an era within its primary genre in American television. Just a good old-fashioned adventure with plenty of cornball humor, action, and a horse that prefers to sleep in hotel rooms. So join us every week as we cover all 27 episodes of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. We invite you to watch along and let us know in the comments below what your thoughts are on each episode and make sure to like and subscribe for more fun on Hilarity by Default. And now back to the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. So I guess we'll do the social media now. Bit challenging for a year old episode. We've got from Warlord Worlds, hooray, looking forward to this. Can't wait to listen. Impossible de intangible wrote Bob the Goon power kicking like that and he'd stand on the ball and fall over. And they they tweeted out a picture of the Bob Goon action figure from the Batman Toy Biz line. Ryan Rydell wrote, I've still got my Briscoe County Junior DVD set. This is a sign that it's time to rewatch them. You've had a year. I hope you've got it that in. And I hope you're not expecting us to cover much of anything else in the next year. Um, Actually, Coffee- no. I, I hope you didn't watch them and then do a whole podcast on it and cover the entire right. series. Right. And now we're the third podcast. Podcast on Briscoe County, right? <laughs> Coffee and Comics wrote, I was just thinking last week how I hadn't heard anything from these guys about Briscoe lately. Lo and behold, here's a new episode. Randy Caldwell wrote, I'd listened to a Parker Lewis Can't Lose podcast, Key West 2. And uh, given how often we managed to get the Briscoe County out and Parker Lewis ran multiple seasons, I, I don't think we'd, in our natural lifespan, be able to finish it. No, nah, we, we would need a whole other pandemic. Next pandemic, we'll start Parker Lewis. <laughs> Parker Next Lewis. pandemic. Podcast Lewis Can't Lose. So, pandemic Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs> 108th Sage, Alan Middleton, Dr. Ange, Brian Mulvey, Chris at Bad Books for Beginners, Coffee and Comics, Comics in the Golden Age. Captain USA, Daniel French for Spony Sound Design, Dave's Comic Heroes Blog, Dave Golding, Doc Strange, Arrow Mero Mero, Evil Dead News, Guatam Shioran, Gregory Litchfield, Green Lantern HG Fighting the Good Fight, The Hammer Strikes, Random Geeky Stuff, History of Comics on Film, The Hoopers, Ice in the Face, Impossible de Intangible, Into the Weird, Jeffrey Brown, Jennifer DeRoss, J.V. Torres, Kichi Baker, Cristados, Longbox Crusade, Melly, Nexus of Fall Realities, Nerdfix Strangers, Odell Abner Dracula, Paul Matthew Carr, Professor Frenzy, Randomitable, Randy Caldwell, Revolutionary Mama, Richard Field, Richard G, Rise of King Asilas, Ryan Daly, Ryan Rydell, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Sean Merrick, Simone J. Lima, Slangward Scott, True Stories, Varangian Vigilante, Resurrections, a Warlock and Thanos podcast, Warlord Worlds, and Words and Pictures. Did we ever actually introduce the show? No, you want to jump? I mean, we, hey, we really... Welcome to The Coming Thing and Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Podcast. I'm Aliga Machina. With me is... Diablo Frank. But the truth is, I don't think we've ever introduced the show. Because I actually was listening to a couple and just remember how it worked. And we mostly just sort of like, it kind of, the music introduces us for the most part. We never introduced ourselves, so it's probably for the best. Hey, so, you know, Bruce Campbell did tweet something about doing a 
Briscoe County reunion or some sort of – If I remember correctly, they did a charity table read where I did, think okay, a did. bunch of the surviving members got together with a, a – because I think Bowler was in there, so they had to get another actor to play that character. And they did a table read for charity for like 15 bucks a head or something or on the internet. Is, uh, is, is Bruce Campbell on Cameo? I haven't checked. I really wanted to take advantage of Cameo, and I haven't gotten around to that yet. We should totally get him to do a – I'm Bruce Campbell, and you're listening to the Adventures – or uh, the Coming Thing, an Adventure of Bruce County Jr.'s podcast. Well, the first time I ever heard of Cameo is Rob Liefeld was on it, and I've been wanting to have Rob Liefeld curse us out for all the things we say on Spawnometer. <laughs> He does not. He is not on cameo. That's mm-hmm. very frustrating. Um, I didn't but, feel like he would. There's something. Something in my gut was like, I just don't think Bruce Campbell. It's weird. It's like some people are built for something like that. Bruce is such a raconteur, and he's such a guy who likes talking to people face to face live. I think that he. It would be weird for him to just like record messages for people. Maybe I'm, I'm mistaken about that, but I just don't feel like he'd be wired that way. It feels like he would just yeah, not be interested to, in something like paid, that. Now, but to get paid 150 bucks a pop to look and say, "Hey, Samantha, Jimmy just wanted to say." Give me some sugar, baby. And then he gets paid 150 bucks. Why would? Why is every rich person not on this? Or every famous person not on this? Because you're definitely not rich if you're doing it. I'd never actually gone to Cameo's website before, and there are some just outrageously like, really? You're like, you think people are going to want you to say stuff? That's mm-hmm. weird. But Bruce Campbell's got enough one-liners. Oh sure. That I figured, like, dude, can you record my voicemail? I want Ash Williams to record my voicemail. I feel like he he's perfect for that because mm-hmm. he's got catchphrases. Whereas like Bruce Bowen from the San Antonio Spurs. 50 bucks you can have him record a message like who the hell wants Bruce Bowen to record anything like I that's one of those PewDiePie kind of things where you do it just because it's so random it's funny so back to Bruce Campbell anyway I feel like he'd be perfect for cameo so that oh that sucks although he'd probably charge a lot because like some of these people charge like 300 bucks mm-hmm. for a message which is a little extreme Next Friday, Briscoe's arch enemy tries to send him to a watery grave. Got that old sinking feeling? And a close encounter with a beautiful redhead could be the kiss of death. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. All new episode next Friday at 8, 7 central.